Hello, hello, and welcome to this week's episode. We have Dana Malstaff, who is the founder of Boss Mom and the creator of the Nurture to Convert Society. She's a mother, author, podcaster, content strategist, template architect, blind spot reducer, engagement facilitator, and movement maker. She helps moms with beautifully unpredictable schedules grow successful and sustainable businesses that don't take up all their time and keep working, even when they have to step away to be a mom or any other important role. This was a really fun conversation. Talking about what it means to be a boss as a parent, to be real as a parent, and to be honest with each other as parents. Let's get right into it. Welcome to this week's episode of Dude Therapist. We have Dana Malstaff. Um, she's the boss mom on social media and in her real life. And someone that I truly admire as a powerful, strong woman, really showing what it is to juggle and and really include your family in everything that we do. But I don't want to really steal the limelight, not my thing. So Dana, can you just jump right in and introduce yourself to everyone? Sure, sure. Uh, I am, gosh, how do you, how does one describe themselves? So I, I will say this, I am, I try to be wise of mind and young of heart would be the way I would love that describe myself. I want to play with my kids and hang out with my kids as much as I want my kids to be completely independent of me. Um, I raise my business and my babies in that same way that the goal is not for me to be the center, but the goal is for it to outgrow me. Um, and I approach all of life that way. And so, yeah, I'm somebody who loves to have fun. I also love to get a lot of things done. Um, and I believe that we uh, achieve more when we give ourselves more space. Boredom is key, is my. <laughs> if you don't have space in your life to be bored, you're doing too many things. I love that. I agree with you a thousand percent. My motto is usually if you don't have 15 minutes for yourself throughout the day, then something's wrong. Um, but same thing, I guess. You know, recently I spoke to uh, two like uh, authors of books about how to include slash not over parent, not under parent, but kind of hit that sweet spot. Um, one of them is Linthgott Hames um, and Jessica Leahy are two different mm -hmm. uh, authors uh, about letting our kids. One is Jessica Leahy wrote, talks about letting our kids fail and helping them learn how to succeed. And the other one is about over parenting. And she was a dean in Stanford watching how how the generations have changed. Yeah. Before we got on the call, you you went on an awesome TED Talk rant about the idea of the team mindset of parenting. Yes. Can you kind of tell us what you're like, uh, a little, give a little insight into your TED Talk? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, what's hilarious is when I was seven months pregnant with my son, which was, uh, he's turning eight. So many, many years ago. And um, I had quit my job and I was seven months pregnant. And I, they had the TED Talk come to Columbus, Ohio, where I lived at the time. And I was like, I'm going to go memorize this speech, which if anybody knows me, I'm really good off, like off the cuff. Yeah, memorizing I can't memorize speeches. I heard it's a thing. Not my forte. Right. So I memorized it all day. And it was about how do we teach wisdom in school? That was going to be my topic was mm. we need to stop teaching, caring so much about math and things when they're little and start teaching them how to make good decisions so, so that they can choose <laughs> and not have chosen for them. So when we parent, 
the approach that I take is that I approach the approach I take in life and everywhere is um, assume positive intent, right? Which is not a concept I came up with. It's an actual concept called positive intent. And it assumes that no matter what is happening in your life, it was not meant to be done to you, that we are all creatures in this world that happen to bump into each other a lot right? Mostly accidental. Like somebody cuts you off and you assume they cut me off, but maybe they were late for a meeting. Maybe somebody just broke up with them. You know, maybe their uh, daughter just said something mean to them on the phone. Like who knows? And, and so this idea, when you take out the idea in life that everything is done to us and you make the assumption that things just happen and they bump into us, we can start to separate the things that are happening around the world from ourselves, our identity, what it means about us, all of those things. And the problem when we have children is that it feels like we have literally been dumped friction on us. There's friction every day, right? Kids don't want to do what you want them to do. Logical things that you as an adult go, this is logical. Why wouldn't you want to do this thing? Kids say no to all of those things, right? They don't sleep through the night. Things that work for one person doesn't work for another. another. So every time you think you've got a grasp, it, it, it frees itself from you and, and offers some sort of pandemonium chaos in your life. And so we start having these children where we feel like they are infringing upon us, like they are doing things to us purposefully um, all the time. And it starts to have a lot of weight. And then we feel really guilty because we go, do I, am I a bad parent? Am I doing it wrong? Maybe they're going to be a horrible child. Am I going to ever want to spend Christmas with them? Like, why did I have kids? And, and then we don't want to tell anybody we think those things. So then we just internalize it and feel like a horrible human being forever having thought, what the hell did I have kids for? Which any parent who is not once in their life, I don't care how much you love or adore your child, but hasn't thought about that one morning when they wake you up at 4 a.m. going, if I didn't have kids and I could sleep till eight, like how freaking glorious would that be? And that's okay because we're human beings. You're not supposed to be for your kids every single second of the day. So the team mentality comes into play that each person in your home and each person in your life is an individual unto itself. And individuals unto themselves have intrinsic value. And that value means that they, they have value to offer. And when they are not given the opportunity to provide value, if you don't use it, you lose it. That's, mm -hmm. that's it. So the more we keep our children from adding value into our household, the less they learn how to provide value. And what do you want? Do you want to raise kids that don't know how to provide for their partners, that don't know how to provide for their friends, mm -hmm. that don't know how to be there when they, I mean, if a zombie apocalypse happens, you want kids that are going to contribute, right? Like you want kids. <laughs> That's that the know goal how of life, by the make, way. That's the goal well, of everything life. I do is based off of whenever a zombie apocalypse happens. <laughs> Seriously. Like, I learned really strange skills just so the that if a zombie apocalypse your... happens, I I am going to, I don't even like zombies or horror movies. I just want to make sure that if we have to start over, like they want to keep me in the town. <laughs> I am, I don't want to be dispensable and your kids should be indispensable, not because they're cute, not because you love them and not because they're your kids. They should be indispensable because they are contributing human beings in your life. 
that make your life better. Not because they prove that you're a good person for having kids, not because they're adorable and they help you procrastinate, not because all of the reasons that we, you know, look at our kids and go, oh, I, I did something in my life and there they are, mm-hmm. right? None of those things. Your kids have to provide value as an individual human being. And it is our job to make sure they are valuable, contributing human beings. And that has to start from the time they can start hearing you talk and allow them to do things, allow them. They will rise to the occasion all of the time. And when they don't and they fall and they fail, you're there to let them know they are worthy of love anyway and to get up and you'll be here when they try again. Uh, Yeah, I love all of that. Like as a parent, (laughs) yeah, I've had days where my daughter doesn't treat me as she used to, or goes, go away, daddy. I only want mommy, right? Those kind of moments that breaks my freaking heart. And I'm like, what did I do to deserve this? I'm such a bad parent. In the, in the psychology world, that term is called personalizing. When we personalize things that have zero to do with us, for example, COVID, things across another country, fires happening in other parts of the world. Oh, it's about me. Oh, woe is me personalizing Mm -hmm. when it has nothing to do with you. The same thing goes for your kid, right? Your kids, most of the time, I would say nine times out of 10, most children are not manipulative and doing things to hurt you or be bad. I don't like Mm -hmm. the term anyways for kids, right? They misbehave. They have actions. They're, they're learning. They're not doing it to you. So when we start taking it so personal and then our viewpoint of our kid changes the way we interact, trust, respect them, mm-hmm. that doesn't empower them. That totally just takes away any strength and value that they can add to the family. And I was recently talking to someone about this idea and uh, she's a specialist for teenagers. And we're talking about how to involve teens in the family. And it's about creating an atmosphere of like, I need you to do this because I need you. Mm-hmm. Oh, we need 100%. this to get done. This is your house too. This is not mommy and daddies or daddies and daddies or mommies and mommies or whatever family structure you have in your household. This is our home, our home. So if you don't do the dishes, it falls on someone else who's already doing other things. I need you to step up and do it because I trust and respect you. Yes. And that's the powerful statement because when it goes like, okay, it's a chore. And if you don't do this, you're going to get punished. Or if you don't do this, you're not going to get screen time. If you don't do this, you can't go out with friends. It creates a burden versus a value system. Mm -hmm. And that's what motivates kids. They want to feel seen. They want to feel like a part of the conversation. And when I work with kids, I work with teens sometimes, a therapist, some kids look at me and they go, you're not going to treat me like a child, are you? Because I'm not a child anymore. Like they want to be treated like people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I have a nephew and a niece, 10 and se- uh, 10 going on 11, seven going on eight, who help my mother, their grandmother in the kitchen when they come for Sabbath. Mm-hmm. And they want, they get so excited. Oh, we're going to make guacamole and we're going to make squash cocoa. We're going to make, uh, which is a squash dish. We're going to make uh, some cookies together. And they want to take control of the situation and do it. And my mom just watches. And we do that with my daughter. Yes, she's two. She can barely do anything. And, and she probably will put everything in her mouth. So we have to be careful. It doesn't matter. But <laughs> Start those routines early. She sits with my wife and helps do something and sits with mm-hmm. me and helps me do something. She's learning early this idea that you have value. And I love, and then we'll, I'll ask my question. I'm sorry for my rant, but I just love this idea. Oh, I love it. I love that you added that part. You need to let them walk and, and fall. 
but they know that they deserve love even when they fall and you're there. Overparenting and hovering over every aspect of a kid's life to make sure that they are safe, protected, perfect. It doesn't help them learn. It helped them. It, what it enforces is mommy and daddy, you're going to take care of me all my life. Mm-hmm. I don't have to think or do anything for myself. What's mm-hmm. laundry? What's putting my bed together? What's paying bills? What? Wait, I have to have responsibility. I never knew what responsibility was. You're hurting your kid in the long run. Mm-hmm. So my question is, what are some tips and are some practical things that maybe you have done with your kids yeah. or have you seen or suggested that actually includes and empowers? What are some practical things that you can kind of sure. enlighten us on? Yeah. And, and by, I loved, I loved your rant by the way, because starting early is, well, here's one of my most practical tips. One, number one, start early, right? Because your kids, like I said, will rise to the occasion. So my daughter is just turned six. She makes my coffee for me in the morning. I don't ask her to, right? But I showed her how to do it. And then on mornings when I say, oh, I'm really tired or, oh my goodness, we're, we're running a little bit late without asking, she goes and makes my coffee because she loves to show that she knows how to do it. And she knows that it makes me really happy. I don't give her allowance for it. I don't punish her. She doesn't do it. And she actually does it a lot of the time because we create a habit of making people happy, right? Like help your children see that being helpful is a positive, happy thing. Not something where you get punished, like you said, if you don't do it, but it's a happy thing. My daughter can, we taught her from the time she was two on the the like kids' knives. My daughter can now slice meat. She, she makes me omelets in the morning. She knows how to use a stove at a six-year-old without burning. She actually burns herself a lot less than I do. She, is she for things. hire? Can we hire her? To, I know, to right? But well, that's the point is that in the olden days, we had kids to help on the farm. Yeah. Like you had things you had to do or the or the house didn't have, we didn't eat at night. Right. And, and they, and she loves it. And now she's experimenting with things. One day she made, made these muffin, like egg muffins. And I tried one and I was like, this is really good. I was like, what'd you put in this? She put in Taco Bell sauce packets into it. It was actually really good by the way. (laughs) (laughs) And, and so number one is start early because you create those habits and those instincts for them early. And that's really, really powerful. Um, I think, Number two is, is verbal reinforcement all, all the time of con- like use the word team. Like, I loved what you said. Like, you're, we're not doing this because I'm forcing you to do something. I remember one time I, I was so tired, so tired. I can't remember why, but I was so tired and the where I was going to put the kids to bed and they were complaining. They didn't want to go to bed. And I just said, guys, I need you to stop for a moment and and realize that you're not going to bed because I'm trying to punish you. You're going to bed because I'm really tired and I can't go to sleep until you go to sleep. I need your help to to wind down to to not you know, I'm so tired that asking you to brush your teeth 15 times just makes me more tired. I mean, is your do you want to help mom get some rest or do you want to make it hard and more frustrating for mom. Like, which one do you want to go? And they go, well, we want to make it easy for you. And I said, well, then help me out. Let's get into bed because if I don't go to sleep, then I can't get good rest. And then I'm not healthy and I can't be the best mom or person. And I want you to be healthy and you should want me to be healthy. And they're like, yes. And then they helped me out and went to bed. So instead of me just being frustrated and yelling at them, which I've done, everybody's done that. 
I just said, look, I'm going to be honest with you because you're smart enough to have a conversation with me. I'm not going to use big words and, you know, try and talk over your head, but I am going to tell you that I am also a human being and I'm sad today or I'm tired today. So could you help me out a little bit? I've told my kids before, like, okay, guys, I've had a really long day, right? Um, what could we do for dinner where you could help me make it? Because I, I feel like I, I might need to lay down for a few minutes and you'd be amazed. They go, mom, you lay down. We're going to call out things from the fridge to you. And I have a six and eight year old. I don't have teenagers and they will make dinner. Even if it's microwaving chicken nuggets, you know, and, and putting the ketchup and they'll bring out the tray and all those things because I'm honest with the fact that I am also a human being. I think tip number two is stop trying to, or tip number three, whichever one it is, stop trying to be superhuman and show your kids that you are a human being that also has feelings and also has bad days. Like if you are having a hard time, I've had a time when I'm like, like, Hey Joe, I really need to get this thing done. Could you help me get it? Like, remember to get it done. If I, if I get up from my, you know, from this table or I don't do this there, I don't do this meal prep, come over here and yell at me and tell me to get back to work. And you'd be amazed at how much your kids will come back and be like, mom, you said that you weren't allowed to leave and watch, you know, TV until you finish chopping those things. And I'm like, okay. And then she'll be like, do you want me to help? And I was like, I would love some help. And so I ask my kids to help me that and show them that I'm a human being, because if I don't, then I ball it up so much that I end up like crying on the bathroom floor or yelling and being mean at them or something like that. And which has nothing to do with them. Yeah. Which has nothing to do with them. It's so much better. So it's, it's, it's easy. Start them early, tell them that you're a team and that you need their help. Show them exactly what you said, that they are needed because there's too many teens in high school that are depressed and anxious because and have contemplated suicide that I have no friends that their, their kids are in college during COVID and just said, I just don't feel like me being here matters to anybody. And hear that from your kid. That's yeah. devastating when they're in their 20s and they yeah. look you in the face and they go, I just don't feel like anybody cares if I left yeah. and never came back. And you're like, oh, my God, like our one job as a parent is to make our children feel worthy of love, not loved but worthy of love, not just from us, but from everybody else. Brene Brown has a whole Ted talk about kids will take more risks. They will do so much more if as long as we make them feel worthy of love. And that's what you're doing as a team is they're yeah. worthy of love. They're worthy and of Brene, contribution. If you're listening, reach out, please. I love <laughs> um, uh, But no, but I think the biggest key you know, now I'm going to really big, be a therapist right now because like you really like. therapizing is the idea of like the undertone. Like, or the theme of a conversation is trust, mm-hmm. right? Saying to someone, I trust you enough to not watch over you in the kitchen, to not, not micromanage you, and to say, mommy needs your help, daddy needs help, I trust you, you got this, mm-hmm. and step away. Step away. Go sit on the couch. Mm-hmm. Go take care of something else. If you need to throw laundry in and you then have to, you know, one of the things that I'm a huge fan of my brother I only have one brother, uh, one sibling, um, and uh, he. I value him very much as a as a as a father. I think he's an amazing father. I think my sister in law also does a great job. I don't see that as often, but over the years, when he was raising my nephew, he brought him up to be a big brother. My, I just got um, almost a year and a half ago. My my I had a niece, and my 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 nephew, who's ten years old changes diapers, mm-hmm. puts her to bed, feeds her, and knows how to be a part of the family system mm-hmm. to help. 
So if my brother is juggling the other daughter, who's seven going on eight, or has to take care of dinner or running around doing other things and go, hey, Liam, can you go take care of Jojo? Mm-hmm. He goes, yeah, I got this. He even helped with my daughter when he was here the past weekend. He's like, mm-hmm. can I change Ricky's diaper? And I said, yeah. sure, if she'll let you go for it. Where is everything? I showed him. Yeah. He didn't ask me again. He started doing it on his own. And I'm so impressed. Well, he's, I just think he's just a, a beautiful soul. I love my nephew, I think, and my niece and nieces. My nephew is very sensitive and very, he loves to be a part of the conversation. He loves to be treated like an adult. Mm-hmm. And when we start looking at our kids that way, with a perspective of, I trust you, I respect you, and I know you can. Yeah. I, I, it's amazing. I think there's a huge distinction too that we need to make because one of the big challenges is is if we look at our kids and we say you are capable of acting as an adult would, like you are capable of doing things and contributing. I think the biggest challenge is balancing that with allowing your kids to be kids as long as yes. possible. So trust and responsibility is not the same as the required burden of as a parent, I don't have my life together and therefore you are now the parent. So I think it's hard sometimes to go, okay, I'm tired, but I can't every night make dinner your thing, right? I can't, I can't make everything where I, you have to change your, your sister's diaper because I can't, you know, there's a component of contribution as opposed to, you know, forcing your child to become an adult, because I do think that allowing your kids like one of the things I think if we were talking about practical tips, the the fourth tip would be playfulness and fun, like make cleaning fun. Like when does doing valuable things had to be have to be serious? When is that like anything that's worth doing has to be hard? There's a um, Greg. Oh, I'm not going to be able to pronounce his last name, but he wrote um, Essentialism and he just came out with the book Effortless. Amazing. I think one of my favorite writers and he um, and he at, in effortless, it just talks about this idea of of work being this negative word. Work is hard. Work mm-hmm. is if it's if something's too easy, it must be sly, evil or cunning. And 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 so we're, we're brought up to see like, oh, easy money means you cheated somebody out of something. And if something's too easy, then it must be too good to be true. And and yes, there are ways we should protect ourselves from certain things and be and do our due diligence, you know, and, and just like you should with any parenting tactic, you know, test it out. Everybody should test things and see what works. That's how the failing comes in. But I do think that this idea of playfulness is making work, making value, making doing those things doesn't have to be hard. Um, You know, I think the book I I had mentioned before we hit record, which is the opposite of spoiled, which is an amazing book. And um, it, it's, it talks about this idea of, Oh, we've got to clean up the dishes as a family and nobody wants to do it. Like the kids would just scatter. And so they started putting on this one song and it was the same song every single time. And and all of a sudden it becomes a playful thing that you do. I remember my parents and I would um, like if we wanted to just not make dinner, we wouldn't mm-hmm. eat at the dining room table. We would put a, like a picnic down in the kitchen and we would all get go in the kitchen and we would sit in the kitchen on the floor. And it sounds so weird. Like that sounds so unfamily, but it was the most family time we had. It was this intimate sort of floor picnic sort of thing where we instead of all having the same thing, we all came together individually and we had some really lovely memories because we made it playful. We made it fun. So 
I think that's the other thing is we've got to have this balance of of requiring a lot from our children and yet giving them space to be children, to play, to have fun, to, you know, I think skip things sometimes to want to go out and test the limits because that's how they're going to decide who they are and to give them a lot of choices. I believe like I I don't force my kids to eat if I make something and I'm like, okay, this is what we're eating. But a lot of the times I say, hey, what should we have for dinner? Let's have some options. You don't get a million options, but you get a couple options. And what do you think? I let the kids once each of them get to pick once a night, like what would you want to eat? What are you craving? Because as adults, we have cravings. If someone shoved food at you and told you to eat it every night, it's called a prison. That's what it is, where they don't give you any choices. You just get whatever you get. If you don't eat, you starve. It's like that whole mentality that kids kids should learn what they like. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's why I love different camps. It's like, let them test it out and then ask them what they like and then help them cultivate and facilitate more of that thing in a playful way. Like our kids, I'm so sick of 30 year olds out 10 years out of college coming out and saying, I have, I got a degree I don't need and I hate my job and I hate my life. And I have to completely change what I do because I've just discovered who I am at 30. Like, when did we have a world that nobody knows who they are until they're 30 or 40 years old? Why do we have so many people that can't create a good habit to save their life and and reject the idea until we somehow mature when we're 40? Mm -hmm. Like, Let's get our kids doing those things when they're like 10. Yeah. <laughs> but that's that's the beauty of adult uh, of being a parent is that yes, it's about the love and the joy and the happiness and the cuteness and the yumminess and the experience and yada yada yada. But you are educating. Parenting is education. Mm-hmm. According to Dan Siegel, who is like one of the top psychologists, oh, right? The yeah. best. And uh Bryson I think is the uh, the co-author. Um it's all about parenting is about educating your kids to be adults, Yes. to be responsible adults. You know, I wrote a few notes down here um, <sighs> because I, I just, my ADHD, I, either I'm going to forget it or I'm like so excited to say it that I'm like waiting and chopping at the bit. Um, you can just tug on your ear and I'll stop talking. No, no, no. You're doing great. You're great. <laughs> Don't worry. That's my issue. I'm like so excited because you have such great knowledge and, and just outlook on parenting. Role reversal. Now, as a therapist, I work with a lot of adults and I hear this too often. As a kid, my parents didn't do anything and made me do it. Mm-hmm. And I then became the parent to my siblings, to my parents. That's the balance you're talking about. That's the unhealthy mm-hmm. side. Responsibility and trust is important, but it doesn't mean that means you then take a back seat as a parent and not right. participate as well. Your kids are being empowered means that you have to show them what that power is. You have mm-hmm. to role model. You have to be there. It doesn't mean that they do everything just like you shouldn't be doing everything. They're not superpowers. They're not superwoman or superman. Neither are you. Mm-hmm. So to rely heavily on the kid as the responsible one as an adult when they're not, that's a very bad road you're going down. Now, we mm-hmm. see this in movies all the time, and it happens in real life, where there's a parent who might be sick mm-hmm. or might have a disability or inability to do something because of some limitations of life. We're not talking about that. Mm-hmm. And even that is a little iffy and gets a little inappropriate sometimes when a parent becomes the child and the child becomes the parent. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean that you can't create an atmosphere of responsibility in that in that balance. And I want to add the layer. I love that idea of I'm a huge dance party sing song person with my daughter. <laughs> yeah. Like literally, you can 
I don't mind telling you all the songs I do for every little thing that we do in our day. Getting dressed, going to change a diaper, going from one thing to another. She got obsessed with the elephant march in Jungle Book, you know, and for some reason, every time I need to get her from one place to another, I go, let's march. And I go, and I start the song and she starts just stomping and walking with such excitement and energy. I did it in the uh, Natural History of Museum, the Museum of Natural History, when we needed to get places. And I'm like, okay, Ricky, let's go. And I started singing the song and she goes, right? And even with the idea of quote unquote chores, creating a dance party for doing dishes with the same song every time, one, creates memories, two, gets things happen, (laughs) right? Gets things happening and it goes, oh, the song's happening. We got to do dishes because it's it's not about the dishes. You're not focused on dishes. You're laughing. You're joking. And you know what? If your kids don't want to do it one night, that's okay too Mm -hmm. because it isn't just their job. But it's great to include them in that atmosphere and in that conversation of you matter in this family. You matter here. Now, when you talked about that thing about Mm 30-year-olds, it's something that touches home very, 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 very close to heart. Not because it's me, because the work that I do, I specialize in 20 to 40-year-olds. And there's so many people I work with, so many people I work with who are like 26 to 34, who are like, oh, my God. What am I doing? I Who never, I? Yeah. my parents chose everything for me. I was put in this club and this thing and that music and this thing without being asked, do I like it? And I don't know what I like. And then I said, okay, you have to go to college. Okay. And you have to get this degree. Okay, mom and dad. And you get those things and you all of a sudden you sit down one day and you're going, what the hell am I doing with my life? And I work so often with people to read frame and challenge their assumptions about themselves Mm -hmm. based on nothing. They have nothing to go on. And it's like rebuilding someone from scratch to go, okay, so what do you like? I don't know. Well, why don't you try this? I I don't know. Uh, I don't have the money. Uh, I don't don't know what to do. Uh, I don't have the time. And every excuse comes into play. If we just start earlier, having our kids experiment in a Mm -hmm. safe way, in a responsible, respectful way, trusting them. Now, here's the biggest thing. Like I mentioned before, Lithgott Hames and Jessica Leahy, that I'm a huge fan of their books. Um, and I, I'm going to, they're going to be on the podcast. Uh, and the podcast is coming out in a couple of months is the idea of trust and going, mm-hmm. okay, what do you want to do? Mm-hmm. What do you like? Not you making all the decisions, but the ability to create an atmosphere where they go, you know what, mom, I really don't like to play basketball. I want to play soccer and not go, but I played basketball. You need to play basketball. Uh Uh-uh, that's you. That's you talking for your kid. That's not your kid talking. And the more you create that conversation for your kids to be involved in the conversation of family of what their wants and needs, of course, be safe. But it just creates this atmosphere of, oh, I can do what I want. Maybe I like this thing. Maybe I don't like this thing, but I'm willing to try because my parents trust me and give me the opportunity to do that. Now, I see you're ready to go. So what's on your mind? No, no, no. I, well, I was just thinking the the uh, the choices like with the sports and stuff of giving and, and this with toys, with money, with everything of of give, making them make choices between two things. Mm-hmm. Like I, I that's so if I can see it in my kids because the the uh, the opposite of spoiled is all about is really ultimately about money and how we teach our kids financial awareness. And so I started doing a thing where I don't give them an allowance 
But if they do things I would pay for somebody to do in the house, like help me clean, like the bathroom kind of things, or, um, uh, if they do, we get workbooks that are above their grade grade level. And if they complete things in that, they earn money. So things that would advance you for it. So not the regular things, but they can earn money. If like my, they will pump so not the my gas coffee. and my daughter will wash my windshields stuff for 50 cents. <laughs> and they, they love doing that. And so they earn, they earn money. And, and then we will go to the store. They'll be like, we, can we go to the store and look, you know, what we want to buy for our money. And it's so interesting because what I'll do is and I didn't come up with this. I got it from that book, but, uh, but it works amazing. So my daughter was five at the time. And, um, and when we would go into a store, she would have $9 and then she would be like, I want this thing. It's $15. And I go, okay, well, if you want to buy it, right, then you would owe me $6, which means you have to do your workbook stuff. You have to clean. And every week that you haven't paid it back, you owe me an extra dollar. And so for the first two times, she was like, done, done. Right. And the third time we went in and I would remind her and it wouldn't be fun for her to redo, you know, to, to get pay me back. And the third time she looked at something she wanted and I was like, well, you know how it works if you want to get it. And she goes, mom, it's not really any fun to earn money when I immediately have to give it to you. And she's like, so I think I'm going to wait and I'll come back later once I have enough money. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. That <laughs> I might have just education. saved a child from going into debt. Uh, and wait yeah, till she and, hears and, about taxes. Then she's I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a whole. I live in California. So it's a whole whole I conversation. Live in New York. Yeah, there you go. We're both yeah. And, and so the choice, though, I also said that to my kids. I go, OK, Jake, you could do soccer. You could do things. We have them in karate because or it's MMA, but it, for self-defense for things, because I believe in mastery. I believe in skills. I, I'm for that. 100%. And I want some kind of music. And so I've got these things. But for a long time, when we talk about it and I ask him about sports and he'd oh, yeah, that my friends are doing soccer. That'd be fun. OK, well, let me explain to you what practice will look like. OK, let me explain to you what that means is going to happen after school and what it's dedicated and what that means. And, and let's talk about the other sports. So instead of just saying, oh, your friends are in it, let's try this out. We had a discussion and he goes, yeah, mom, that doesn't really sound fun, but I love running. Is there something I could do where it just involves running? And I'm like, well, your dad was in long distance track. And I was like, they don't really offer that for you now, but maybe if we got some, you know, some orange cones, we could practice drills for running so that when you get into middle school and they start having track, you could do track. And he goes, yeah, cause I don't really care about the other stuff. Now I know he actually likes those things with, we talked about guitar and he's like, I don't want piano. And he goes, if we got an electric guitar, he's like, I'm nervous that if I got a, like a regular guitar, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't do want to practice, but I would do an electric guitar. And I said, okay. And so we went into the store and he went to a practice thing and we went into the store three or four times to play around with it, to try some chords, to those kinds of things before he was like, yes, I will take this class so that it's a mutual decision about what he's going to do. And I, and I actually dig deeper. Everybody should be doing this as adults too. Oh, you want to do that? Well, let's talk about, it. do you want to do that? Cause you think you're going to miss out. Like, do you want to do it? Cause all your friends are doing it. You know, do you want to do it? Cause you really want to do it. Like what are the, cause most of us don't accomplish what we want in life, not because we're not capable, but because we spend our time doing all the things that don't help us accomplish all the, all the things we want. Cause we never sit down and actually figure out what the heck we want. Yeah. Which I sounds like exactly actually what you help your client, your patients. Sometimes, you know? hopefully, but there's a lot, you know. And this will will end off because uh, you know we could talk about this for forever. <laughs> it just it just it's, it's so important. Like I don't think people realize. I think people are so consumed and worried about the mistakes they're going to make as a parent versus the opportunity of helping your kids grow up. 
And when we look at parenting that way, now I'm new to parenting. I only have a two-year-old. I get it. I'm still, I'm still young. I still, I understand. I don't have the, the gray hairs or the wrinkles yet or the stress. By the way, saying that though is all just things like my kids are going to ruin me, and kids are going to ruin you, and they make you. I look, I at forty look younger than I've ever looked. I do not have forty. I'm a single mom, and I have a six and an eight year old, and I they don't they do not make me older. Anything that makes me older are my decisions, not my kids. Yes, and I love that you caught me on that because I hate (laughs) I hated when I was becoming a parent. You better get the coffee in now. You better get the sleep because you're never going to sleep again. And like created this this monster of like parenting sucks and I'm going to be tortured for the next 18 years of my of my life until they go to college and then I'll be free. But if we look at parenting in a more positive, enjoyable way, and that takes effort. It takes an active thought process to mm-hmm. be positive about something. It is hard. It's difficult. But it doesn't mean it's not enjoyable and impactful and powerful. So I really want to thank you so much for being on the show and really enlightening us on how we can create a team effort for our family, for our kids, which helps them and also helps you look at your kids in a better light, trust and respect them and empower them, which gives them practical, real lessons for how to be an impactful person in the world. And yes, I'm not trying to bash math or English or anything that you learn in school. (laughs) But that is the key to success. It Where is. can people find you, learn from you, understand your ex- your expertise, and hear more TED Talk rants that are changing <laughs> the world of parenting? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I my business is Boss Mom. So boss-mom.com. And it is, I, I mean, I specialize in helping moms who want to not have to go back to a nine to five. So specialize in moms who want to run a business from home, specifically in 15 to 20 hours a week. So something where they can have a full-time income without having a full-time job yeah. um, is kind of where we especially we've got it. And we've got the Boss Mom podcast. I've got the Boss Mom book, which we're actually working on revamping because it's Ooh. about five years old. So we're, we're going to do a revamp for the end of the year. Um, and all of that, all of that fun stuff. Um, and yeah, we t- and the, the Facebook group community, which you can get from our website, is one of the most, we just hit 61, 62,000, somewhere around there, um, of just amazing moms. We have local meetups. We have all that kind of stuff. So it's a great place to be. Um, it's and all going to be in the show notes. Yeah. And I, I want to tell you one thing too, because you, the, the, I think one of the biggest things that we have, like as adults, we have to continually recondition ourselves because it truly has been put in our brain is that hard is bad, right? Like parenting is hard, right? Getting, staying fit is hard. Like eating healthy when most of the things presented to you in life and the things that are convenient are not healthy is hard. Like staying in a relationship where you love each other and you do things for each other is hard. Not being selfish is hard. All of those things are hard. And, but what we do is we keep saying hard is bad. Hard is bad. You know, if it's hard, then it's got to be sad and painful and painful and sad are two different things than hard. If you really look at the, at the science of it and all the psychology backing of it and the behavioral psychology backing of it, hard is actually the most fulfilling. Hard is where we find out who we are. Hard is where we feel good about ourselves at the end of, of the night. And there's a there's a book that um, Dan Crenshaw, I think he's a he's in the legislature over in um, in Texas, but he wrote a book called Fortitude, and he he 
uh, grew up partially in Texas. And he says this, the one line in there that just, because uh, I listened to a lot of my books, just stood out to me. And he said there was, he was working for a man out in a farm and the man was telling him about what it means to be a man. And that throughout your life, you're different kinds of men. You're men for you know your wife, you're men for your children, all these things. And, and he said, and I looked at him and I said, well, what kind of man am I today? And he stopped him at the field of rocks and he says, today you're the kind of man that's gonna shovel those rocks. <laughs> and I loved it because this idea that we are one person all the time for the rest of our life is completely wrong and our kids will change all the time. And so the idea is to create lives for ourselves and our kids. I help women do that through freedom and business and you help, you know, free them from, from the way they're thinking and change their life in that way. But we are constantly changing. We are constantly changing and constant and change is hard, which means the more that you recognize that doing what is hard is good instead of doing what is hard is bad, then you start living a life that is really fulfilling. And even if you didn't do too much during the day, you never question your value in the world. And if you wake up every morning and you never question that you being in the world makes it a better place and that there is value there, then you will always be happy to some extent, even on hard days. And that's that's the thing. And when you look at your kids, having kids will be easier because hard is not bad. I love it. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> well, you get me all ranty, so I blame you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much to listening to this week's episode of The Dude Therapist. And it only is happening because of you, the listeners, tuning in every week, even twice a week. To this show, all about mental health, relationships, and wellness topics. And really, let's be honest, everything in between. And I'm so excited to show up every time and having great guests. So, thank you. And if you have any questions, concerns, ideas, collaborations, email me at thedudetherapist at gmail.com. Follow me on Instagram at thedudetherapist. Let me know what you're thinking. Let me know your ideas. I can't wait to hear from you. And if you can go along, subscribe, rate, review on all the streaming sites that you're listening on. I truly appreciate it because that's what makes this thing happen. So thanks for tuning in this week and see you next time on the Dude Therapist Podcast. We've got more guests and more great content coming your way.